you're listening to the Optimal Performance Podcast. How's it going everyone? It's Chris from Optimal Performance. This is episode 6 and in today's episode we're going to be going through um, running performance, common injuries and niggles and basically how to become a better runner. So we're obviously coming into sort of event season now in terms of half, full marathons, some trail style stuff that comes up through the summer. So we're basically going to dive into a little bit of information in terms of how you can become better, uh, not just as a runner, but just as an overall performer in terms of what to do to apply into the gym with that crossover between strength training and how to actually program for strength training alongside conditioning specific running. So yeah, we're going to dive into the the episode there and we're basically going to start with some upcoming events the lads have actually got booked. Uh, we've got the Liverpool Half Marathon coming on Sunday. Matty's obviously pulled out because he's bottled it. <laughs> Nathan's still doing it. Nathan's desperate to beat me. He's bought all the top-end shoes and that. So we're going to dive into uh, our preparation for the Liverpool Half, what we've been doing. Or um, lack of. Or lack of, from Matty's perspective, yeah. Croissants uh, are a great preparation tool. Yeah. Elite pre workout, yeah. If you're gonna pull out croissants, are definitely the best pseudo to use, (laughs) yeah. So, um, yeah, let's let's touch over to Scuppers and see how his prep's gone, what his programming's been like. He's a a big advocate of the hybrid style programming, which we are we are all running in the background. So, let's touch into that to uh to start, yeah, yeah. (laughs) 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 I'll just um, I'll keep it nice and simple. Run four or five times a week. Uh, strength training three three to four times a week. On top of that, um, usually if I'm like coming up towards a race, I'll knock the strength training down to twice a week, and I'll try and get as much out of them sessions as I can. But the main focus, obviously, for the race, if I'm looking for a certain time, is obviously running. So I aim for at least and I've had this conversation with Matty before, 120 minutes a week at least at zone two. So I think everyone should aim for that. Uh, no matter if you want to race or you just want to be healthy and you can do that by just having four 30 minute runs a week it's as easy as that doesn't really matter um if you're the type of person who wants to race and you know like for instance a 10k is going to take you 60 minutes then it's probably worthwhile your zone two minutes being a bit longer because you've only been your feet for a bit longer so i i achieve it by just having two 60 minute runs a week and then uh, from there i'll do maybe a track session or a, a tempo session and a long run on a sunday so it's yeah it's not an um not too complicated it's just basic stuff but it obviously comes with the understanding of energy systems and what strength training i need to do to uh basic basic stuff <laughs> yeah, yeah no so let's um let's touch into zone two it's become like obviously massive bit of a buzzword you see a lot of people jumping on it obviously when we started the run club last summer um this this was like obviously a big foundation of it obviously doing like zone two specific let's actually touch into what like you're trying to achieve and what it actually is so uh, people have a better understanding because as i say it's a big buzzword i think people just say i'm doing zone two but i don't think people maybe understand fully what it actually is and what you're actually trying to achieve from doing zone two specific running yeah so it's on the surface it's quite easy to explain but it's quite a complex um physiological process what we're trying to achieve but basically if you've got like a like a, a garmin or uh what other type of fit, fitness watches there is that gives you like you know you can look at your heart rate and they give you like colors don't they yeah yeah so yeah, um watches do it now they do that yeah so um it's basically the blue zone that we're looking for people don't realize how easy your zone two runs supposed to be like it's a bit of a humbler and the, the fact that your pace has to slow down right down so 
lots of people it'll run in the uh, the green zone like on on your watch which because it's the aerobic zone but that's actually like what we call a gray zone in running because it's too fast for zone two adaptations and it's too slow for like anaerobic adaptations so we don't really want to do too much work there but you should spend some 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 work some time in that zone but not too much but all we're trying to do is we're trying to keep everything super easy so basically our aerobic system can basically uh, get up to speed with like 100% capacity and we're just trying to stay there so we can utilize fat and obviously the longer we stay there the more adaptations we get over time and these adaptations can take like six eight months uh, obviously the, the more you do the better it is basically so um it's just about running easy and you should be able to talk while you're doing this and um over the course of time you'll gradually be able to run faster but your heart rate will still be in the zone in zone two and that's like what we're trying to achieve in the long run basically yeah we we spoke about it yesterday like last night on our run and it was um it was a very slow run obviously with the race prep coming up and you can literally have like a conversation like we're having right now if you're running at the correct pace for your heart rate and it, it's it's it is a humbler you don't realize how slow you'd actually have to go before you're like just comfortable in zone two it was um definitely was a lot slower than what you'd expect yeah it's 100 percent a humbler like um my zone two pace is like sometimes depending on how fatigued i'm two and a half to three minutes slower than my race pace so it's it's super slow and it's, it can be boring and a lot of people go out and try and aim for a zone two run but they can't do it because they just it's a mental battle in itself and it's a skill in itself to be able to run at such a low heart rate and if you're not fit enough you probably chances are you probably won't be able to run at that heart rate you might have to walk so if you're starting you might have to walk it you might have to run walk it but um yeah it's a skill in itself and being able to adopt that and apply it to your training will pay dividends moving forward especially in in a health perspective and a performance perspective perspective yeah it's important to note that as well isn't it that it doesn't have to be a run to put you in zone two you can just be a a, a fast-paced walk that you're not used to that's fine that's where you're at that's where your heart rate's yeah. at the, so, it doesn't matter the modality doesn't really matter yeah. obviously if it's for for instance obviously we're trying to race or um, it makes more sense for us to run it because that's more transferable into what we're trying to achieve but if you're just doing it for general health it doesn't matter whether you walk it run cycle swim whatever as long as you're in that um, heart rate zone and you're getting them 120 minutes a week you're just gonna you're gonna be fitter and you're gonna be healthier but again if if you're not doing anything at the minute it's fine to do 30 minutes a week do 40 minutes build it up well any, anything's Obviously. better than nothing yeah exactly so but if you're ideally. doing none then 30 a week better yeah. than none you know what i mean and just trying to build up but i always recommend to everyone try and get at least 120 minutes and it's easy it's not a hard 120 minutes it's super easy so I think the easiest way to do it is to split it up into four 30-minute sessions a week. And like I said, it doesn't matter how you achieve that. It could be cycling, running, rowing, whatever. Whatever you want to do. You could mix it up, have a different session each week or each workout. Yeah. it's. Um, I think running, obviously, like people who don't do it, they have like a little bit of a fear factor and it can be quite daunting to just go out and go, right, I'm going to start running. But obviously, the zone two specific stuff is where you would start. I think a lot of people have this notion in their mind that they're going to be running. The heart rate's going to be through the roof. The breathing's going to become erratic. But if you're going from nothing to this, and you'd, even if you do two 30-minute runs a week at true zone two, you're going to get a big adaptation in terms of building that aerobic base, which then feeds into like the next part of what Nathan said in terms of like, oh, I'd also do track intervals. So that's obviously going to go towards the top end of... um of heart rate um so let, let, let's maybe touch into that so obviously zone two is going to be about building a big aerobic base 
track intervals let's have a little talk about what that's going to sort of give from an, an adaptation standpoint and a conditioning slash energy system standpoint yeah so when we obviously move through the gears um you kind of not not bypass or skip that the, there's the green zone sort of thing but track intervals you've either got like a vo2 max track interval or you'll have like a threshold track in- interval so vo2 max obviously maximal effort so you're not you're spending seconds up there like that's like obviously max heart rate sort of thing but usually on a track interval you're looking for like repeatability and reco- like the ability to recover quickly between um, intervals and all we're looking at is basically the and you get to a point called you'll hear it referred to as threshold it's basically when uh, lactate starts to be produ- produced more than what it would be at resting values so that we're exposing ourselves to high levels of lactate so our body can become used to it and actually buffer the lactate which is where the, the body basically gets rid of lactate out of the blood so we can um, keep performing at that intensity so that again it's very hard and it's very taxing so that's why we only do it maybe once a week or we might only do a certain amount of minutes there a week but what we're trying to achieve is exposure to that sort of intensity of exercise so we know what it feels like and our body has the ability to like i said buffer the lactate which is to get rid of it out of the blood and change it back into energy because people uh, mistake lactate as a a waste product but it's actually just energy that can't be used because there's insufficient oxygen so once oxygen becomes present again when we recover that lactate is shuttled back to the the liver where it can be uh, changed back into energy or atp or it can go back into the aerobic system where it is uh, oxidized into ATP again. Yeah, so that, that buffer and the lactate's key because obviously that's where people break down. If lactate is coming in greater at a greater rate than what it can be buffered, that's basically where you will fatigue and have to stop kind of thing. So like getting that crossover in specific energy system work where you're building an aerobic base and then going into like the sort of hurt locker stuff with like your track intervals and stuff it's key because if you are pushing race pace and you have have the ability to shift through the gears and you're running towards a specific time which we're going to obviously try and target this weekend coming um at some point we're probably going to go into that last like uh, the threshold sort of the um, exposure and we want to be able to try and stay there for as long as possible because if you are pushing a specific pace Unfortunately, the half marathon's not going to be done in zone two. It's going to be done in an around threshold, if not a little touch higher. So we want to be able to buffer that lactate for as long as we can to make sure that we can maintain a high speed, but obviously still be able to move from A to B in terms of getting across the finish line at that speed. So having that crossover in your energy-specific system work, obviously with running, you need to go in and out or top and bottom of the two ends of the spectrum to make sure that you can push pace and you can also have that aerobic base, so it's key to like to kind of understand how to program that in within your your schedule if you are working towards becoming a better runner. Obviously, as we touched on alongside the strength specific sessions, which is a a big part of the the hybrid style program and that we've been working on, especially with Nathan there, um, pretty much since what what would you say September October last year? Yeah, about eight months. I think we've been going for it now. Yeah, and it's uh, it's responding well. I think we're all pulling down on the scales. Our, our performance is getting better. I dropped, I think, eleven kilos since we started, without yeah. even trying. Just yeah, over the course of eight months and yeah. just getting fitter and stronger. And just for note, that's not really restricting any. I've been eating more than ever. Yeah. Um, like the the aim of a hybrid program is is performance. It's not really to it's drop scale weight. Like that just kind of goes hand in hand. That's why I always say to people, athletics builds aesthetics. As as cringy as that sounds, it, it does. That's just how it works. 
yeah that's it basically you're losing weight because you're becoming more of an athlete rather than you're losing weight because you're trying to drop weight exactly yeah yeah you just your output's really high isn't it so you have the the affordability to eat more which is always a win why wouldn't you want to it comes back to previous podcasts like you would always start by training more in my opinion than reducing food everybody wants to eat more food or I, I would definitely want to it's eat more food so it's it? yeah i'd rather train more and keep my calories high i think we're all managing to maintain strength on our main lifts with the style of programming that we're doing which is like two slash three weightlifting sessions a week the energy system work with the running is there in the background and like the program is basically working we're all getting better with our times massively um, maintaining strength dropping scale weight looking better i think i've gone from 92 to 86 kilos at the minute um which is a, it's quite big it's, 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 it's a big drop really yeah it's a, and it's again i think win. it's only the last what month or so that any of us have actually said oh i'm gonna start like not tracking calories to be in a deficit just to see where we're at sort of thing yeah and it's so we've, we've dropped we're dropping like close to 10 kilos each before We've even tried, Before even thought trying. about yeah. scale weight. So yeah, and then once once the race day is done for me personally, I am gonna go into a small deficit just with holidays upcoming and stuff, just to have a little look a little bit more into the the composition side of things, which is gonna to touch into uh, some more programming that we've got in the background. But yeah, like that's a little brief overview of obviously zone specific work for running. Um, let's touch into like um basically what we feel as though we need to be a good runner obviously we've touched on it there in terms of the the actual out and out running let's maybe run people through our training structure with with the strength side of things to see like what we actually need to have that crossover from strength training into being robust enough to increase miles increase distance and speed without blowing up kind of thing in terms of injuries which obviously touches into the program and again yeah so let's maybe touch on that yeah so i think it comes down to um frequency and volume we know from the science that um you can massively reduce your volume and you can still achieve um adaptations you can still maintain strength and muscle mass but um i think the main thing is exercise selection or exercise variation is just changing them up slightly so for instance we do a lot of box squatting instead of uh, just normal box, uh, barbell squatting and all that is doing is just reducing the range of motion and we're reducing like eccentric loading so we're reducing fatigue basically but was, and the, the emphasis is more on force production because we want to be powerful, especially around the hips and the glutes because that's where we're going to... Obviously, the faster you run, the more power you need to you need to produce. And if we're strong and we're more robust, we're less likely to pick up injuries and we can keep producing force over a continue, continually, you know, what's the word? Lost me. Yeah, like a repeated... Uh exposure of time <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, to be able to keep doing it yeah like repeatability repeatability yeah. basically yeah. yeah um and then we've got to think about things that um other exercise that cause lots of fatigue so like deadlifts rdls we, we still need that eccentric load of the hamstrings that's massively important for runners that's where you'll see most runners pick up injuries because the the weak and the eccentric phase of it um eccentric contraction of the hamstring um i think some recent papers have come out around running and they've basically found that it's more the the middle and the distal part of your hamstring that uh, takes the most load when running so it's obviously very important that we to train in that lengthen position so we can swap out something like um an rdl or a deadlift and do something like a bodyweight nordic so we're still obviously lengthening the hamstrings on the load but without the um the fatigue of actually like holding on to 120 150 kilos um and it, yeah, like I said, it's, it's mainly down to exercise selection, exercise variation. So we just need to adapt things slightly. And we need to think about 
not risk to reward, but more like um, benefit to fatigue. Because like, obviously certain exercises are going to cause us massive amounts of fatigue. So the way I've programmed it is lower bodies or like athletics. So we're doing lots of hop, skips, jumps, moving things fast, moving things heavy. And then upper body's pretty much just stayed just generic. Um, still do a bit of like contrast training, upper body, like ballistic style stuff. But you can train more like a bodybuilder, upper body, and it doesn't really affect yourself too much. Yeah little bit more pump style work and then as you said at the start in terms of like giving yourself like the scope to maybe say right i'm going to lift three times this week but if you do have that fatigue building up you can pull one out or you can sacrifice an upper body pump and obviously prioritize lower body specific or maybe pull a lower body out and go for an upper body pump if the legs are feeling a little bit beat up and then across that weekly schedule then from a programming perspective you need to basically program the most fatiguing sessions closer to your zone two specific work because that's easier and then when you have that track specific day you want to be able to to perform on that day don't you to get that adaptation in terms of buffer and lactate and getting into the threshold specific work so um how you structure your week and your month really matters and then you need to be able to have adaptability within that schedule which is uh, as we use on the app it's perfect for it you're able to alternate days um and it works really well, as we said there, the performance benefits and even composition benefits that we've had since running it from like last summer kind of thing or late last summer has been nice and hopefully it uh, pays dividends on the weekend and then we can get some more some more events scheduled in from there and obviously yeah. uh, use it as part of our, our yearly sort of training calendar. Yeah, yeah, we pretty much are like a product of it. Like we, we've been running it for ourselves, obviously, to try that out make sure that it's iron out all the problems but it's quite i think it's quite interesting for people to hear how much planning how much like actual attention there is into these programs to make them optimal for running or whatever your discipline will be so if you do want to go into these sorts of programs that all of what we've just been talking about goes into it yeah so that's time now it's a lot of effort and it's a lot of um science and there is yeah, research that goes into like, it. As you know, I always I take like quite a scientific approach to all my programming and try and obviously get the things best, best advice or best um, best practice at the time, best bang for your buck sort of thing. So it comes to understanding certain manipulations such as cluster sets, why and where, what exercise you might use a cluster set, why you use a cluster set, where you're going to use it, things like that. But that's all been thought out of thought out by those guys and put into the program. Yeah, and the uh, what I, what I would like to say on on the on the program specific side, so like the hybrid style stuff that we have been programming, is that it is it is massively adaptable. So it doesn't mean that the program is just designed at making you a better runner. It's designed to give you true structure, so you have crossover. So like if you're a BJJ athlete, if you play football, like it would have crossover because you get an energy system specific exposure. Um, and you're getting strength training specific exposure within that structure which is massive with the adaptability as we say so it's even though it's designed that making the running side of things get better and the strength training side get things getting better you, you will have crossover in terms of like it's not just if you want to be a better runner jump on this program it's it's about making it people better athletes all in as nathan's saying like the ath with his, uh, yeah, his, um, with his taglines of what is it Athletics build aesthetics. Yeah, so yeah, I it think does, it does though. Yeah, yeah, but um, just touching on like other athletes and stuff. Most athletes don't spend any time in zone two. They kind of 
it's all like if you think about a footballer they're probably around that aerobic zone like zone three and then they spent the dropping in and out of the zone three and the threshold into maybe the red because you know short interval sprints and they're constantly moving around so like that's quite neglected in uh, like sports in terms of like building the aerobic beat obviously these athletes are super fit anyway but you could be even fitter and you could recover better like you you might be if you do spend time zone two and as a footballer say you're going for a sprint and then you cut your track back and then it's your time to recover the likelihood is your heart rate's going to drop further than someone who who, are, who isn't doing the zone two work so in that sort of sense you're going to recover better and you can achieve higher higher um, intensities throughout the game so it's quite neglected in terms of sports and i think that's um being coming more recognized now so a lot more coaches you'll see on online and stuff are starting to implement more of that yeah. into um athletes programs whether that's doesn't matter what sport it is it's just in general yeah i think it's hard isn't it because we spoke about it last night it's hard to do in a session like that and not get the feeling like oh yeah i'm knackered here i've, I've done a lot because yeah. you've got to take a step back and go right i'm not trying to exhaust myself on this training session which is everyone wants to be feel like they've done something on a training session yeah people are intensity junkies aren't they the way things are now and it's like i, I touching on the sports specific about loads of footballers boxers bjj athletes karate blah de, blah everybody wants to get into that red zone like so all the conditionings around red zone a few few clients i'm helping now have actually been talking about this the, the week just gone on check-ins and stuff where like people do as you've just said people find it difficult to do something from a training perspective where you might walk out and go i'm not even sweating really there like for that like regeneration as nathan's saying if you if you skip that aerobic base, what people don't understand is if you spend more time there, it's going to cost you less energy to get into the red zone. And then when you are in the red zone, you're going to recover a lot quicker. And sport now is about repeated high-intensity actions. Like, all the data from a football perspective is like that. So, like, the teams who complete the most high-intensity sprints and the teams who complete the most high-intensity runs and cover the most distance are usually the best teams on the planet boxes can you go in and out of them bursts in terms of red zone and recover quick in between rounds uh, the same with ufc athletes and com any combat sports people are missing that big aerobic base and it is it can be boring um what i do personally like if i if i do a session of it like off feet so like on the bike here i got home i'll just put like a youtube vlog on or a podcast on the dock and just just mosey and it can be a little bit boring but like the benefit of it is massive and then as we've said, when you are shifting through the gears and you are pushing pace, it costs a lot less energy to shift through them gears because you have got a big pool and a big aerobic base. So, like, I know from my perspective, like, my breathing rate when I go into the into threshold and the red, I can control my breathing really easy and it's off the back of doing zone two stuff and, and other bits as well. It's not just our zone two, zone two, zone two because, as I say, it is it does get popular and things have phases, but... It's it's low hanging fruit basically is where I'm going with it to be able to go into that red. Yeah. People spend probably too much time at red, and as as Nathan's saying, if you are an athlete, you you're fit, you're already fit, so you're looking for them small percentages, and some of this type of stuff will give people them small percentages in terms of improving performance moving forward. So it's uh, it's massively important. That's it. It's like everyone's trying to push the ceiling. Like I want to go higher, I want to get better, and all that. But gotta raise is, the roof before you raise the ceiling. Yeah, that's exactly. where the, the base building comes in. So your base, if you reduce your base down, then you've got a lot more space to to adapt and to basically become a better athlete. 
if you just keep trying to get the top end and not focus on the bottom end you're, you're missing a big chunk of your available adaptations there aren't you yeah just without going back or again too sciencey basically people don't realize that zone two actually affects like your other zone your zone four your zone five and all we're doing is you'll have these little tiny cells in your muscles called mitochondria and they're basically they run off they need oxygen and once they've got enough oxygen they'll break down carbohydrates protein and fats to produce energy but to maximize production you need to be at a certain percent of heart rate around 50 to 60 percent of vo2 max which usually cor- correlates with your heart rate so 50 to 60 percent of your max heart rate which is zone two so if we can spend loads of time there our body's very clever and it'll say oh we need to get better at this we need to get better at utilizing oxygen we need to get better at oxidizing fat for energy because we're doing this a lot so you can actually increase the amount of um, mitochondria in your muscles so if we can increase the amount of mitochondria, we can increase the amount of energy we can produce so we can utilize more oxygen. Now, how that has a knock-on effect is when we come up to, like we get, like Chris was saying before, threshold, red zone, it takes longer, longer to reach them zones because our body is able to use more oxygen. So if we can use more oxygen, we can spend more time at threshold because our body's better at using oxygen. We can buffer more lactate. So if we can buffer more lactate, the pH in our blood stays in relatively balanced so we can continue exercising that intensity then when we go up to the red zone we can spend maybe a few more seconds there longer than we would be able to but our recoverability will come right back down and that's for a boxer or a bjj athlete or any sort of combat athlete that's massively important because basically as we become fatigued it becomes harder to recover and if we're staying at red zone you, you see boxers in a fight they come all sluggish and they've got these lose power and lose everything but if you can come back down you can go back up very quickly as well so that's what you're looking for, them high-intensity efforts. But you can only do that by having that solid base. Yeah, same with football or any field-based sport as well, where, like, obviously the ball dictates what happens and you'll have moments where, like, the ball's out of play and you might be walking, then you might be reacting and jogging, then you might be sprinting. Um, as Nathan said, the crossover into pretty much any sport-specific uh, situation is there. And it's um, relatively cost-free. Like, there's pretty much, like, we did the there's a run last night. If you get to a certain point where it feels like you just come for a walk. Yeah, because that yeah. it's that it's just nothing, is it? Too it's easy to recover yeah, from. Like, yeah. You get home last night, wake up this morning, absolutely no pain, no aching, no nothing. I don't no feel like I've been for a run. Exactly, I feel like I could. And that's the way it again. should be. Yeah, and the, the the chronic adaptations you get from running and using your energy system development is just it's amazing what your body can do. But so just off the back of that, if anyone's actually interested in that sort of stuff, I was thinking about doing like a little um like a physiology sort of like a presentation and just doing some basic energy system stuff and breaking it down. So if anyone's interested, then get in touch and let us know and I'll, I'll do it if people are like generally interested in finding out more because I'm like, you know, you guys know I'm really interested in that sort of stuff. That's what gets me going. Like, so I'll be happy to uh, do something like that. Yeah, definitely. 100%. So yeah, with, with you mentioning sort of um, you didn't feel like you had any niggles or pain there, let's maybe go into that because obviously... But as we said earlier on, like when we go from zero to maybe beginning to introduce running, obviously it's pretty much the highest impact sort of force thing you can do really with the body apart from sprinting. Like a, a lot of the, a lot of the common sort of injuries and niggles that we hear, um, from like an in, an increased exposure to running are typically like sort of ankles, hips, and knees. Uh, obviously, like from a running performance performance or like a mechanical perspective running is a series of single leg landings at mid-range knee bend so um 
being robust in that position is massive and this is something I touch on with a lot of clients from like a rehabilitation standpoint is how well you absorb force from that position and then how well you produce force from that position is basically going to dictate what area loads up. So in an ideal world when we're thinking about like landing on one leg and then pushing off it, we need we need to be able to spread force across that whole chain, hip joint, knee joint, ankle joint. So if people are loading up with common stuff like ah, my ankles are sore every time I run or my Achilles is flaming or my calves are cramping or something like patella tendonitis or my glutes are tight, all this type of stuff that you'll hear. Basically where I'm going with it is if you've got a knee problem, we need to address the ankles and hips. If you've got a hip problem, you need to go below and above because that chain in terms of how you spread force basically dictates where you will feel pain. So yeah, let's maybe touch into like common sort of injuries and niggles and how we could potentially work to to overcome them so yeah so it's it's interesting when you talk about obviously hip problems and knee problems and not so much if you have a knee problem we don't necessarily go directly to the knee to address that problem it could be something to do the ankle could be the hip your hip is pretty much the middle of your body isn't it so your hip and your pelvis that's taking the weight of your spine the weight of your top half but also it's it's dictating how much load goes through the leg up to the like because it could go through your hip and into your spine if your hips not in the right position so then you could end up with spine issues back issues so the key thing is is where your pain is isn't necessarily where your problem is so you can have a knee problem but it could actually be that your hips out of line so when you come in and that's the importance of going to somebody and getting a full assessment done on your body, your hips, your knees. Because if you just come in and say, yeah, I've got a sore knee and someone goes, okay, yeah, let's treat your knee. You're not really going to get to the bottom of the problem because it goes right through the chain. Yeah, and that, that's like a, a graded exposure thing. So like you've got to understand like if somebody does come to you with that problem, it's what they want to get back to. So I say this all the time. I help a lot of people who compete in sport, a lot of different coaches throughout the city, people who might just walk for the paper and back every day who are a little bit older. You've got to understand what that person's set point is in terms of like, I'm here and I can't do X, Y, and Z. It might be I can't press overhead in the gym. Some of these L set point might be I can't put my socks on of a morning. And then you've got to understand what the end goal is and that's what like true rehabilitation is, is it's graded exposure into strength and conditioning and then you get the person ready for that task now if it's a a 60 year old woman who just walks for the paper and back every day and a back so air graded exposure is going to be a lot less because the end goal is just to walk for the paper and back now if it's a, an athlete who needs to compete at high intensity high force high speed um their graded exposure is going to look completely different so obviously um feeding in across that journey you've got to use graded exposure so like a lot of people in the industry will just go like i'm in pain i'll rest the area for six or eight weeks i'll jump back into train and guess what happens they blow up when they go there so it's like yeah i haven't run for eight weeks uh, i jumped into train last night football and my hamstrings went again and the answer is i know because you've had no exposure to that that task so then you fall back to the bottom of the line then so you've got to make them repeated jumps to make sure that you are ready for that end goal task as i say people will come through and say i can't play football i've been out for eight weeks some people will come in and say i can't press overhead without pain in my shoulder some people will say every time i run my low back's loading up and it's cramping and it's spasm and it's 
as you said, like you don't just hammer the one area what you feel pain in. You're looking to make overall function better from everywhere, and that does come into proper graded exposure and proper um programming again, where you would go from pain to performance in terms of rehabilitation into S and C if it's an athlete or somebody who wants to train, uh, and make sure you're giving them the tools that they need to to handle that force. So like looking into like force absorption and force production it comes into snc in terms of like plyometrics and that type of stuff now if you get somebody in pain and you say right we're going to start with plyos they're probably going to feel more pain and blow up because the force is that high yeah. um so if someone comes in with knee pain it doesn't always mean you're injured but then you have to expose them back to that task in a gradual way that's where having that sort of um, the scope of practice to understand when to nudge them at the right rate yeah. um, pays dividends in terms of like what, what you get from the rehabilitation or the physio that you choose. So I know a lot of people nowadays are just looking at like, ah, oh, you're tight, now you're loose. And then like they're looking for the just one tool in terms of like, ah, oh, yeah, I've been seeing a massage therapist or I've been to see a chiropractor or I've been to see a physio at the NHS. But more often than not, what people are exposing themselves to isn't enough. They're just using one one like method, yeah. and you need everything. So as I say, if you've got a knee problem, you've got an everything problem because you want to make the whole body work better to absorb the task that you're throwing at it, which could be running, football, walking for the paper. So um, it's a key one, yeah. So it's uh, yeah, it's it's how you get that person from A to B within a proper structure is what's going to matter most and um, that exposure to running you do see a lot of people start to have them niggles through the chain so yeah and as you said because uh, it's, it's a it's a it's a very it's a high impact um sport to go into on your knees yeah. especially as well as your ankles and hips but your, your most common thing is knee isn't it with a runner and whether it be because of the hip or in, it doesn't matter like the knee pain is probably the most common that alongside with the common shin splints yeah. which again is nothing to do with the shin yeah. it's to do with your structures around the shin so your knee your ankle your hip even um but it's it's hard because you can go and see a sports therapist you can go and see a massage therapist and get that mus- muscular structure lengthened i know you said about tight and loose but the in the proper terms it's short and lengthened so you can go and get that muscle lengthened and the pain will subside short term and that's it it's it's only short term because you're not actually adapting the structure to the right how do you say like the the actual the task that you're trying the to task do. that you're yeah. trying to do and then basically your structure needs to be in the perfect position to do that task if it's not then it's going to be pulling on other parts of the body yeah, and that's where it comes into spreading that force. As a, like, the way I explain that to people, like the tight base loose analogy is like I always do this in person with people. So like, have hold of a slinky, and I'll push it together and say like, this is your muscle when it's tight. This is it when it's loose, and I'll sorry, and I'll spread the slinky, and then it's like, you don't just live there. Like in human life, you've got to be able to go in and out of these positions, especially when you're running. You've got to be able to go in here really quick and 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 here really quick repeatedly. Yeah. So like your slinky will be doing that constantly in terms of the muscle. Um so like when you when you look at like just massage therapy or like any anything else of that nature, you're not just trying to achieve 
that and like get somebody to sit there all week because that that's not real life. You're looking to be able to achieve this, put load through the tissue, and then have the availability to be able to go in and out well. So from a muscular standpoint, you're looking for how well the tissue does contract, which somebody would call tight. So yeah, like when you contract tissue, it's tight. That's what it's meant to be. And then it's meant to have the flexibility to become long and loose and fluid and absorb force, not just sit here. Like what yoga teachers do. So like a lot of yoga teachers, they they move unbelievable. But that's because they spend here all week. If I pull a yoga teacher here on a table, they usually blow up. And that's just because they spend all week here. Do you get me? So it's like, it's what you want to do and what what your set point is, as I say, if you... If you've got a yoga teacher, they're going to move well because they're really flexible, they're really mobile. They sit here all week. Yeah. But then, as I say, if you pull a yoga teacher's slinky into here... Or ask them to produce force. Short or produce force. They're usually really weak because yeah. they spend all week at length. So you've got to be able to go in and out and be flexible and be fluid within what you're doing. And that's where you come into like the plyometric stuff, which we can maybe touch on with Nathan in terms of like that stretch short and cycle and like what it actually is, what you're trying to do and achieve from it. That's where sports rehabilitation would go from here into here with your S and C. And then yeah, let's maybe let's maybe touch on like stretch short and cycle and what plyometrics actually are and how we can implement them because that for me is the end the end phase of rehabilitation if you're looking to get somebody back into running slash sport and performance so yeah let's maybe uh, let's maybe dive in yeah um, I think put them on the spot yeah, plyos well. are like <laughs> one of the um, especially for the general public or that like you know amateur athletes they're quite neglected because they don't know what they are why you do them where you do them so I just keep it very it's very simple um, I use them as like a warm up just because it's like they're quite fun to do yeah. and uh, it just ticks a box and it uh, you do get um, a lot of benefit from it and it just prepares you for a session nicely especially if you're going into like a low body sort of session but I just keep it very simple and think about like it as a journey so I always start with force absorption so that'll be like your drop lands um, triple extension into power position just the ability to produce force and then absorb it but you need you, where people often make the mistake is they don't have they, you, you still need force to absorb so if you're not producing enough to absorb it's like counterintuitive like that's why like I'd say or drop lands better you do want to be like your, your ground contact needs to be quite aggressive so you want to be like smashing into the floor and absorbing that well then from there you go into like your stretch shortening cycle or i like to think about it as like an elastic band or like i call it recycling energy which is basically what it is so as we land your muscles and um connected tissues tendons will like store elastic energy and then you can like recycle that by producing force straight away so you see that with like a, a drop a depth jump something like that so we're landing and then we're going straight into um into a, a jump but you can manipulate them again you can go a short ground contact time long ground contact time but you want to be um, exposed to all and then finally i like to go into like race of uh, force development which is like the ability to continually produce force so like a uh, broad jumps or like a like the kneel and start broad jumps like we were doing the other day yeah. so um it's a mixture of them but the most important thing is to it needs to be multi-directional as well it needs to be unilateral bilateral because like you said life doesn't happen happen life doesn't happen in like in a linear fashion does it like so you, we need to be able to um absorb and produce force on unilaterally bilaterally multi-directional so it's quite a complex thing and um I'd, I'd, if you're going to try and in, include it into your programs i'd definitely do a bit of research on it or speak to a coach or if you have got a coach and ask them about it because it's uh especially for like runners any athlete 
like any, any athlete at all, you'll see doing some sort of plyometric drills. It's super important, especially like we were talking about before, like the ankle complex, building up robustness. Pogos are perfect for that. So you're building up ankle robustness, you're building up um, rate of force development, you're training the stretch shortening cycle. Again, you can do that with um, long ground contact time, short ground contact time. You're just about manipulating like the variables of plyometrics to achieve what it, whatever it is you're looking for from that exercise. Yeah, and it comes back to the slinky thing. But as I was saying, like that's pretty much what the stretch shortening cycle is. If you have hold of a slinky and you pull it long, you're going to be able to go here and here quick. That's why, like, stretching and stuff, people are always, like, from, like, a, a niggles and an injury standpoint, people are coming and go, ah, oh, yeah, I've been stretching for 30 minutes a day, but, like, nothing's happening. And it's because you're just sitting here. Yeah. And then if you go back to running and you need this in an outer range, quick, stretch, short, and cycle, sitting here all day doesn't have any benefit. That's why, for me, I never prescribe stretching for anybody in pain. I, pre- I prescribe like load, load before length. Yeah, he did, because... it me, did it with me, didn't he? And yeah. honestly, I thought, what's he talking about? But like, you know, what he's talking about, so I'll do what he's telling me to do. And I, and I did. Yeah. And, I, and then I, so what I was doing was stretching. He was like, put load, I put load for it. I felt 100%, 100 times better. I was like, oh my God, I can't believe that works. Yeah. Hamstring problems. I've helped loads of people in the last, like from, from January to now, coming in with long-term pain, shoulders, blah-de-blah, knees. I've just helped a lad there who's had five years of knee pain. And I've got him out of pain within four weeks by not touching him, not massaging him, showing him how to load properly, how to extend, how to hinge properly, how to put true tension through his tissue, which is going to create tightness or squeeze. Yeah. He's getting more tension and tightness in his tissue and he's out of pain and he's now running. Um, that That's where you've got to come away from just stretching. So stretching is beneficial 100%, but if you're looking to become more robust and offset pain, and the thing you're doing is creating pain, i.e. running or football or whatever. Um, as, as Nathan said, load before length is the way I would look at it first because it's it works. Like, it's like you were saying... Um, hamstring pain, gone. Yeah. Not stretched it once. Load. It's load like you were saying in a previous podcast about um, the way like your nervous system wants to protect itself. So like, it might, you might, it might be feeding back to you telling you've got pain there. You can almost like trick it by putting low through it and actually saying to the like feeding back to the nervous system and say like we're still strong there. Yeah, we're safe. Yeah. We're safe. Yeah. So then, when the body becomes used, to actually, we're actually well strong there. We can produce force there. We can stay there. Like if you're doing something like isometric, yeah. Iso- you, isometric. You so kinda, the journey begins, the pain kind of like starts to reduce on almost. It, for me, it disappeared. Yeah. Obviously, it wasn't a massive injury, but it was enough for me to feel it while I was walking. And then you prescribed some single leg uh, hamstring glute bridges with, like with isometric holding. After like one session, it just the pain just faded away. It's like, um, as you said, you didn't actually touch him. He had knee pain for five years, and you didn't physically put your hands on him and manipulate the body. Or he always touches me. <laughs> but that that's quite a key thing. Is like you get quite a few people coming in saying, "I can't go like two weeks or three weeks or even two months without seeing a sports therapist, a chiropractor, yeah. this, that, and the other." If you're going back for the same treatments time after time, that's pretty much telling me that there's something else wrong that's causing that pain. Now, it's not a injury. It's not a torn muscle or anything. That's that's a pathology of the body. You've got something wrong with the way that your body's operating. So you need to address that first and then work on the muscular system if that's the case. Yeah, and it comes down to like, um, because you feel pain, it doesn't always mean you're injured and vice versa so like you could have pain in the knee 
massive with diagnosis. It doesn't mean you always need that issue diagnosed. Like that's feedback from your nervous system. Like if you're getting pain in the knee when you're running, that's feedback from the nervous system. And you need to basically trick and convince the nervous system that you are safe to load that tissue. Now, if you get a good coach, you understand how to load that tissue with graded exposure. Yeah. The pain will go. Are you injured? No. But it doesn't mean because you feel pain, you are injured. Obviously, like if you, if you go and get a scan and you can put all grades on it, oh, you've got a grade two hamstring tear, whatever, that's an injury and that tissue needs to be remodeled and have a load put through it. Um, if you've just torn your hamstring, would you stretch your hamstring? I wouldn't. If the tissue's torn, you'd put load through it yeah. and make it regenerate and remodel and all that type of stuff. So it's and putting load through it doesn't necessarily mean like I've got a torn hamstring. I'm gonna go and do an RDL. Yeah, yeah. it's like, within. Yeah. This is where you need to speak to like guys like yourselves who understand what sort of load you're talking about. Because some people, some people might take that the wrong way and be like, "Oh, it's alright, I'll just go and do some deadlifting." Yeah, I'll go and do weights. Cause but it's, it's not load, like that. But it's not. That's really where it comes to, like you were saying about the knowledge of how you actually achieve the load. Yeah. In terms of graded exposure, yeah, and, and exposing people at the right rate for what's right for them, based on what they feel, what you might feel. So it's uh, pain doesn't mean injury. It's interesting that like, I found that dead interesting when you were speaking about it on the yeah. last podcast. Yeah, and it's that's it. You, you're ultimately trying to trick the nervous system. Yeah, to, te- to convince it that it's you're safe to use that tissue and then when you do use that tissue the pain sort it's of like when you um, you start running especially when i first started last year the first like um 5k almost three three miles when i first started hip knee ankles back like screaming at me like stop like yeah. telling me to stop but once i've warmed up prop obviously that reduced over time now i can just and it's just my body's just like yeah we're running again it's fine but uh, it took me, it took me like three, three miles for my body to actually settle down into itself. Yeah. Well, that's it. That's because you've had no exposure. You've went like from just basically lifting heavy, haven't you? At the time, you were just lifting, weren't you? And then you've went right. I'm going to introduce running. No exposure to it. I know what you're like diving right at the deep end, which is like your first. Yeah, like yeah, I, I have done in the past. That's how I went. I, like I'll be in Chris met. Like I was yeah. just redlining every session. I was. Yeah. I didn't really. This is before I educated myself properly, so I wasn't really. I thought I knew bet more than I did, and I clearly never. And redlined every session, ended up turning my calf or whatever. But um, yeah, like it's, it's, I'm guilty of it myself. And um, but yeah, like I was, it's just like yeah, like the feedback you get from your, your nervous system. And like so what I was getting for like the first three five kilometers, three miles, like just my back, my my glutes, my hips, my ankles, my knees, like my shins, like everything's just like, screaming at you to stop. Yeah, but yeah. it's almost just like a, like a safety. Like your nervous system trying to save save your body, for, but at the end of the day, stress is, and stimulus is good for the body. So yeah. without the stress, without the stimulus, your body doesn't adapt. Yeah. So you may feel for like new runners starting, the first few miles are very sore, but don't unless it's like actual genuine pain, then don't stop. Just kind of keep going, keep it nice and easy. Just can't not. I don't want to say push through it because if it's genuine pain, then you do need to stop. But if it's just like, I think you, you can, can always kind of tell, tell the difference. Can yeah. you? you can always tell the difference between right. That, that's, that's really all. sore that I, that something's wrong yeah. compared to yeah this is a bit of an ache this it's, it's almost like a mental battle I think well people don't give the nervous system and the brain the credit that it deserves it's warning you it's going right okay I'm in a position which I'm not normally in you need to step back but as you said your body won't adapt without that stress and the stimulus exactly so, that's, that's why it's so like you're saying how clever the nervous system is how clever the body is physiologically it's like oh we're gonna, we're doing this a lot we need to adapt that's like, i think that's like, like the most amazing thing about exercise is 
the the, the adaptions you get, and you might at the time you might feel like you're not you're not doing anything, but like I look look back to when I first started running. I sent you the video on the WhatsApp group the other day. I started run walking because I couldn't run, yeah. and my fastest kilometer was seven minutes. Now I'm running like three and a, my fastest kilometer now is three and a half minutes, and that's in eight months worth of training. Yeah. So you don't realize how what's happening over time until you like you look back. Yeah. But you're only going to achieve that is if you just if you stick with it. But that's it. Your nervous system, as you said, like it's not always pain. Like if you're in pain, you're not always got a problem, and that's it. Like your nervous system warns you before anything happens. You've seen it where like they put like a screen in front of their arm and they put a fake arm next to it so they can see the fake arm but not the real arm, and they stab it. People flinch. That's your nervous system telling you, "Whoa, like something's wrong there," but nothing's actually happened to you. And it's the same with when you go running. Nothing's actually gone wrong with you, yeah. But your nervous system's just going, hang on a minute, I'm just going to give it's you a little warning signal. And that's all That's that's all they are, really, is warning signals. As long as you're doing it correctly, as you said, graded exposure, not going in at the deep end, you'll be all right and you will push through it. And that, basically, warning signal will go away after... after that's why it's important training. to understand programming, basically, ultimately. I think that's yeah, the most... Like, exposure. That's why you have programming. It's the same thing with rehab, it's graded exposure. Yeah. Anyone can follow a program on on the internet. Anyone can download a program that's generic for everybody and follow it. But that doesn't mean that you've got to the the next stage. If you haven't got to the next stage, then you shouldn't be progressing. You should stay in the first phase of it. Yeah, you've got to be ready. And it's it's what it comes back to what you said about like repeated visits with going to see somebody. So like people who will go like, Ah yeah, I go and see someone two week every two weeks, that's great and like it's it's got massive benefits. But there's a big difference between going to see somebody because you enjoy it and you're getting recovery and you're getting mental and physical benefits versus trying to get out of pain or offsetting an injury. So, like, the two separate ends, even though it's the same sort of, um, what's, what's, what's the word? Like, it's the same sort of setup. The, the two things are different. So, if you're trying to offset an injury and get out of pain, it'll look different to if you're going in just for recovery. So, like, that's why I always say to people, like, I'm not married to one tool. Like, if you come in and you've got shoulder pain, we're going to assess and address why. And we might use a variety of them tools. Now, if you come in to see me every two weeks and you just want a little bit of active recovery, you want the sports massage, you want to put the Normatex on and all that type of stuff, that's active recovery or passive recovery. Um, if you're coming in because you've got a torn meniscus, it looks completely different and that's where you will separate somebody who's just telling you your type versus loose. Yeah, that, that versus as you said, this that's is how difference. you get out of pain, and this is how you deal with yeah. injury, and this is how when you go back into your sport, you're gonna stay there, yeah. and that's where you need to sort of distinguish the two, and how you use them tools. Because most people who come to me will come and go. I've been told to come and see you, yeah. uh, by X, Y, and Z. Uh, I've been going to see sports massage therapist for the last two years, and I'm still in pain. Yeah, so like you gotta know what tools the, to use. The, yeah. the key to it is, is it's a pain. Like if you have a pain for say for two, four, five, even ten years, some people that yeah. come have, have come to see you, you've got the amount of pain that they've been in for ten years and they've been going and seeing the same things all the time and just getting short term releases. Yeah, if you're coming just for a bit of recovery and stuff like that, yeah, great. By yeah. all means, that's brilliant. It's great. That's a privilege because, and yeah. it's a, yeah, it's, it's, it's a great nice to be able to do it. Yeah, and you will be in a better shape for it. Yeah. But if you're coming for a pain issue, yeah. then if it's been there for years and years and years and someone's been doing the same thing every month to you, then it's not the right thing, is it? Yeah, and it comes down to passive versus active. So, like, ultimately what matters most is what the person 
who's in pain does it doesn't matter what I do to somebody else or in terms of an input what matters most is that their body can actually do what it needs so like I can't be there manipulating someone's spine if they get pain every time they run they've got to be able to move their own spine when they run themselves or whatever the scenario is it's always coming back to the person rather than me fixing something or the the therapist fixing something it's about you're the catalyst you give them the tools graded exposure s and c stretch shortening all that type of stuff force absorption force production into giving them that scenario where they own their own body that's ultimately where you're going with it because um as i say it is it is race season now and like event season in terms of like the the spring and summer coming in and a lot of people do start to pick up niggles when they start to expose themselves to higher volume higher frequency running so like these tools that you can use are there that the black and white but um a lot of people get married to one tool and it's not the answer so it's always about a variety this is where like the stuff like the hybrid style program that we've released it, it ticks all the boxes you've got isos you've got bulletproof specific active recovery flow days strength training structured conditioning with the running um so like you're getting an exposure to everything and that's basically whether you come through in a remote setting or you're coming in person we've all got got that skill set where we can ask each other are oh, such and such a struggling with this what would you do this is what i'd do what do you think and you can make it a true experience where everybody gets everything as I, as i said the other day i put like a little bit of a story up the other day but like not to gloat but like basically everyone who comes through to see us just gets better and levels up in all aspects and that's because we're giving them all the tools not because we're telling them you need to see us forever it's about giving people their body back by allowing them to function better by showing them how to own their own body um which feeds into like the the program and that we deliver obviously we're trying to take people from pain to performance uh, and where they come in is their set point and we're going to always give them the tools so it's 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 a big one in terms of if you're not doing any specific work to become more conditioned to be a better runner and you are a runner listening and you're coming into race season and you're going to massively jump your exposure probably going to start to feel these common niggles and injuries so you might as well combat it before it becomes an injury or pain or whatever by preventing by having a proper program rather than reacting when it's too late and you're like oh yeah i've had this problem i've been running through it because everyone wants to goggins everything nowadays but nobody else is in and then yeah. you pay the price later on well so i think this like, is yeah. basically what what we've got at the minute it's quite a unique time where we can literally see every single athlete that you've ever heard of thought of so all the runners all the swimmers every everything and we want to do that we want to be those people but we haven't built the foundations that they've built and we haven't basically we haven't owned the space that they have you forget that they've come on the, that journey they've gone from pain to yeah. performance yeah. they've done the plyo they do the yeah. plyometrics they do the strength they do the mobility but we they do the active and passive recovery they do, walk out that door all you see is a yeah all you see is a, snip, a snippet on instagram yeah. an instagram reel of, of this yeah. but you don't see what they did down here to get there yeah and it's all the boring stuff yeah it's like like, like the plyometric stuff if you're a running you're not doing plyometrics why not running is basically prolonged plyometrics yeah all you're doing absorbing force producing force constantly unilaterally so if you can't do it and you're weak there you have no you don't really have any right to run because you're going to get to a certain point where you're just you're going to get a sustaining injury because you're not exposing yourself to that sort of uh, 
intensity and that's what people do all the time it, it well it's 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 been the the done thing for years even with trainers literally the trainers now are designed to allow you to run like an athlete so you can buy all sorts of trainers now you buy them with the carbon plates in them you buy them with the the air bubbles in them you buy them with the spikes in them you buy them with just a front foot landing you can buy whatever trainer you want to allow you to run like the athlete you want to run like but no one's actually going right okay you need this one you need to do this to be able to run like that they're just diving like the, in at the deep end buying the most expensive stuff and then just running in them all again no idea it's yeah, like the, exactly. uh, the alpha flies that i bought they yeah. were their sales increased massively after kip jogi after kip jogi set, uh, <laughs> set the world marathon record yeah. but yeah. No, no, but no, one, no one else is sitting there with yeah. them shoes on yeah, yeah. so you got to have yeah. so the shoes are great yeah, yeah. but so everyone's like, all right, I need them shoes then because Kip Jogi set the world marathon record in them shoes. And your shoes. But we'll just forget them. about all the years of hard work and boring stuff he's done. <laughs> you know, yeah. Kip Jogi runs 12 times a week yeah. and 10 of his runs are easy. Yeah, so yeah. he runs 10 zone two runs the, and they're three minutes slower than his race pace. So if he ran the, the the world record, I think it was like five and a half minute miles, but he's, he trains at nine minute miles. Yeah. Which for the, for the majority of people, that's still quite quick. But there is easy miles. Yeah, for him, that's so. Like, take that, slower. take that into consideration. If Kipchoge's running three, three minutes slower than his race pace, then don't go out saying you're doing a zone two or an easy run, and you're running a minute slower than your race pace. You know, you see it all the time. People are like, oh, easy run, and it's like, and you can tell looking at that, and the heart rate's in the high sixties, or and or the pace is like five and a half minutes, and you're like, I know you're not that fit, or you might be fit enough to run there, but like. That's not an easy run for you. Well, it, it's fit enough to run it, but it's not. Fit, <coughs> it's being fit enough to run it in zone two. Exactly. And yeah, that's that the difference. Yeah. You, like, you might feel adaptation. okay. You might go, yeah, that was a great run. That I feel great. Yeah, I you think. do get them runs. But that doesn't mean you've been in zone two. That no. means you've just but sometimes it. I like once a week. Sometimes I'll just go. I'll just run off feel. Yeah. And if I feel good, I'll I'll run, I'll run a bit quicker than normal. I just just I just feel good. Yeah, run to comfort. Yeah, and uh, but uh, yeah, I just it's, you see a lot of that fake easy miles on, on Instagram and it's it's really not glamorous it's super slow but if you see me like most of my I, run, I, I must look like a, a snail because I'm running that slow like 7 minute it's like 11 minute miles my, my zone 2 pace sometimes depending on how like fatigued I am and on, a, on a good day 10 minute miles it's like so for some people that's like it's like walking backwards yeah. but it is what it is but then when it comes to actually going on the track or racing I, out, I outrun most people because I do that boring way. Yeah. And then talking about the trainers, people will buy those alpha flies that are designed to for fast-paced, long-distance running. Yeah, so you like don't that. buy them and then try and go and do a zone two running them. Exactly. You, 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 you hate, don't they? Yeah. Because yeah. they're trying to propel you forward. That's yeah. how they work. And if you're, you're all, resistant it's two, like two opposite forces. Yeah. You're not trying to run fast, but they're pushing you. They're pushing you to yeah. try and run fast. Yeah. The shoes are designed like with the plyometrics in mind. They're basically, designed yeah. to basically absorb and produce force at a better rate for you. The way you, the way you strike the floor with with your the uh, the front half of your foot. The, the center of mass is ahead of your body, which is like from a running technique perspective, that's what you want. You want like a slight torso lean free rib cage and then you want to be subjecting yourself forward like so that's uh, that's where they're designed in mind. i know it's and slightly different growing. but when you look at prosthetics in, in uh, the paralympics and stuff like that you look at the the lower limb prosthetics look at the way that they're designed the design with the curve on them and then the front it's right in front yeah. it's not behind them it's not it's like, like heel size it's in front of them and then that's where the spring comes from they did a study on that like biomechanics did they, uh, and he looked at um, velocity produced 
and the guys who were wearing the blades yeah. were producing like three times as much velocity as the guys with uh, wearing shoes yeah. because of that pouncy. Yeah. So it's it's crazy. Like, and that's basically what them shoes are doing. Yeah. But think about it like this: if you do your your board and stuff, you do your zone two, you build your aero with base, you do your plyometrics, you do your strength work, and then you become faster and fitter, and then you put your shoe, your good shoes on. You're, you're going to get more benefit from them you end up as Kipchoge too that's it yeah. <laughs> but it's for it's race day yeah. but like if you actually read the descriptions they are for race day they're not for training miles and that's the reason why because you shouldn't be doing that in your training you should be doing as you said your zone 2 work yeah. I only use mine for like I have a like a zone 2 pair I have like a, a mid range pair I have, and then I have like a track and a race day pair like I'm a bit of a weirdo I've bought no, too but, many shoes but as you but, say when you the technology and that side of things is going through the roof now and it's really interesting to see like but understanding can, it as well and where to it, where yeah. you, you so utilise like that technology I, I've got the mid-range carbon fibre plate ones and they kill to run slowing like they destroy it my, my ankles were in pieces the other week uh, I went out and was doing like for me a, a really slow run and I basically had to get off and open up because my ankles were killing. Because, because it's a genetic freak, by the way. It's just so of it. So of it. I'm not too yeah. sure about that. That's but, why uh, Nathan keeps buying the most expensive shoes. Yeah, I'm trying, trying to keep up. Trying to keep up with me. I like it. It's good. Pushes you forward. <laughs> I like to with people who fisted on me. Yeah. yeah. I- iron sharpens iron, doesn't it? You know what I mean? That's it, isn't it? But yeah, with the with the running from that side, like it's, it's everything you do as as like a certain cost on your body and how much you pay is sort of out already so you're always going to pay tax on the on the task that you take and how much tax you pay is going to be dictated by how well a position your body is in to absorb it which comes into that exposure and then now we see with like the the technology advances and stuff like that it's really interesting to see like shoes can give you the edge but obviously you can't just put them shoes on and be a good runner as we're saying yeah. you've got to have that exposure and build you can put those shoes on and although they are the feedback is a lot more than uh, your average pair of running shoes that doesn't mean to say that you're going to be faster in those shoes if you're not using them correctly then you're not going to be faster you're a heel striker then. exactly a heel striker you're not going to actually produce that force like you, break, you actually break break yeah. force if your heel striking. That's and why it's actually going to hurt you, yeah. your body a lot more. As you said, with the slow run, that's probably because you're changing your running gait, and it's causing a lot of stress on your body because you're restricting that yeah. that plyometric movement from the carbon plate. That's it, and it come, It's like it's conditioning versus fitness, isn't it? So are you conditioned to be a good runner? What do you need to be a good runner, or what do you need to be a good athlete? Versus fitness, you can be really, really fit but not that well conditioned to the task. And this is obviously where like specific programming and stuff comes in, specific adaptations with your high-end, low-end energy system work, how well your joints move, how flexible you are, how well you absorb and produce force. It all comes around full circle all the time because... It's a full package, isn't it? That's it, because conditioning is different than fitness, and I don't think many people understand the difference between the two. Absolutely, and it's like yeah. you've got to be conditioned to the task. That's how well how well ready you are in really simplistic terms, how well ready you are to absorb what that task costs you. And continuously do it. Yeah, and continuously do it. Or fitness, which is just like, yeah, I can run a... It might be good on a fitness test, for example. Yeah, like, and it it shows up days. You hit the road and you you don't perform to what your fitness test may suggest. It's it's, it's an interest. Obviously, we all had our... um, the VO2 max scores and stuff done the other week weren't didn't we? Which was really interesting with Matty from um AI AI Health Tician, who I think we're gonna potentially get on a podcast at some point, but we could maybe maybe go through that at another time in terms of like how you actually get your own zones to make sure that you are getting adaptations. But 
and that's it. We've no, done it for our training purposes. Yeah. We will go into it a lot more detail with Matty. Um, but the reason why we've done it is we wanted to find out our own zone twos or zone three, four, five, um, your, your VO2 max. And then we're going to do these events during the summer and then we're going to test again. Yeah. And then we're going to see if our training has been successful or not. And yeah. obviously with the with back going behind the science and stuff like that, we are going to get positive ad- adaptations. So we're going to see at what level it's going to be and then we can go, right, okay, what are we lacking? What aren't we... What aren't we progressing? Yeah, it, it, it does much. like highlight the uh, the gaps in your training. Definitely, yeah. Where like you might need to spend a bit more time, or you might need to do a bit more work. The value from like the like the value of data that you get for the money that it costs is amazing. I couldn't believe the amount of data that you got off that test. It was it was brilliant. And it guides training decisions. So as you say, yeah. like for the like talking about adaptations all the time, like. If, if you know how to gain adaptations in terms of you know where your gaps are within your fitness or your your training schedule there's the data that's what i'm missing and then that guides your future programming decision and you always want to be training to some form of structure because if you're just turning up going let's burn 400 calories or it's just yeah like it's just it's just gray zone stuff isn't it where you don't actually know whether you're getting better if you're into training and you're interested in it and you're interested in leveling up these are the things you should be doing because like if it matters to you you'll find a way to make sure that you're getting the best thing for what you can fit into your schedule as i say this is the benefit of having like a coach and somebody who is going to give you the structure Um, it's not a plug it's just if it matters to you enough you will find a way to find what works best for you and if you're really interested in leveling up performance and getting better as an individual for everyday life training running whatever these are the gaps you need to find out what you've got and it's something that I've been speaking to a lot of people about in terms of finding what your true gaps are and plug the gaps to get better because as we've said earlier on in the podcast low hanging fruit and like trying to bump up percentages people are just leaving percentages on the floor and not even thinking about this stuff they're just in a rhythm I'll turn up I'll do back and biceps I'll do chest and triceps. Well, not, turn turn well, up to the gym and not knowing what you're doing. That's so. it. That's then, even worse. Like turning up and there, just going, yeah. I'll just decide what I'm doing on the day. That's a, it's a horrendous idea. It's always something you probably shouldn't be. You just yeah, do yeah. whatever you like. Yeah. yeah. And that should be but, the thing that you should leave at home. But what we're saying is we're, we're, we're trying to build an all-round athlete. So we're not, we're not saying you're going to be an elite level powerlifter or a weightlifter or a bodybuilder or elite level runner. But the chances are you're going to be in the, you're going to be in the top. I don't Ten five percent of the population when it comes to being stronger, faster, fitter, healthier. So and it's you an look, all you round. Good. You look good with that eventually when yeah. you just yeah. And you'll walk into a majority of rooms, and you'll probably be the fittest, strongest, fastest guy in the room. Yeah, more and often it, than not. It's it's depending it's on what circles ready. you're in. You're in. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. been ready for anything that's thrown your way as but well. Then, but then you're not. Hybrid. Just buy them alpha fly shoes, then. That's it. <laughs> oh, get on the bar. But yeah, um, but by being the hybrid, you, you're literally ready for anything that's thrown your way. So if someone come to us and went, right, we've got this event here, do you fancy doing it? I'd probably say like nine times out of ten, we'll be like, yeah, we're comfortable doing that because we know that our body's conditioned enough to do it. And it's, it's adaptable. Like, yeah, and, I did and that. Um, adaptable, adapting, overcome. I did that trail race the other week, didn't I? And yeah. I finished in the top fifty. Never, never done trail racing in your life. First trail race I've ever done in yeah. my life. Did I think I was going to finish in the top fifty? I just went to do it just because I wanted to do top. one. Yeah. But and that's just a byproduct of me training like an athlete, doing my plyometrics, doing my strength training, doing my ballistics, yeah. doing my board and stuff. Yeah. 
seeing you guys when I've got little, little, little niggles or anything like that. And um, I found, especially on that race, um, when it came to the hills, you see like good good, good running guys, they're quite slender, they're quite lean, but they really struggled going up the hills and I was just flying past them up the hills. They, they went past me on the straights, yeah. but when it came to actually digging deep and actually producing force, yeah. I was I was eight, and I think that's why I was able to finish so far in front of the, the rest of the pack because there was a lot of big steep inclines for over the the 10k race yeah, and, you and I was adapt. able to just maintain yeah. pace and keep producing force yeah. continuously and that's yeah, only because I do them them boring things in the gym Yeah, like, which I, don't, I, well, I say boring but I don't find them boring I yeah. enjoy them but what the genetic population population say is like it's not boring. back on biceps it's, yeah, yeah, exactly, it's, yeah. it's different we're, yeah, training like, we're training like athletes yeah yeah, and that's it and, and to train like an athlete is not to say that it's fun and it's it can be fun don't get me wrong but to train like they're people's jobs like, do you go, to, like, there's a very, very small percentage of people that go to work and go, I really enjoy that job. Yeah. Like, obviously, you will be one of them. That you go, right, okay, I go to work and I enjoy what I do. And that's part, that's unbelievable because it's literally probably 1% of the population have that feeling. Yeah. But 90%, like, 99% of the population don't enjoy it. Now, an athlete, their job is to do that. Yeah, so they might get mundane with it and just think they're going through the motions. But obviously, as we've touched on with like the Kipchoge and the, the Goggins and stuff like what you repeatedly do the board and stuff like it, it builds the base so like it's, if it's you speak to Kipchoge daily, he's not going to say I love my, my 10 slow runs yeah. he's going to say I love my two runs where I test myself and I push myself they're the things that but he he's loves only able, he's ain't, ain't the right to do that exactly and that's what it's all about so you've got to do the things that aren't fun and aren't exciting to be able to perform at the things that are fun and exciting and not as you said, you're not paying too much tax on that. Yeah. So you're literally like, you're, you're basically saving yourself. Yeah, that's it. It's it's unfortunate because like, if you're elite at one thing, pays huge amounts of money. Yeah. If you're really good at a lot of different things, it doesn't pay that much money and that's probably what I'm like. I'm like a really good all-rounder. If you stick me in the gym, I'm pretty good. Not a bad footballer. Like pretty much every sport I can turn my hands to, I'm pretty good at if I actually do it. I'm relatively fit. I'm relatively strong. But I'm not unbelievable at one thing, which is unfortunate because if you are unbelievable at one thing, but then a person who isn't training like that would look at you and go, yeah. "He is unbelievable at that." Yeah, but so. that's it's it's not because I am; it's because I'm a relative all rounder in terms of like that that variety of like things. Running so a one a one forty five half marathon for your first half marathon. Yeah, people look at that and go, "Fucking hell." Yeah, that's quick. That's but quick. That. For me, it weren't. I was just like, "That's just what, what well, I am." Look on at the, the average. Yeah. Like I looked at the normative values for it for the first time half marathon. You're looking at two and a half hours. So you've done the half marathon there forty five minutes quicker than the, than the average person, yeah. and you're saying, "I'm not, quick. I'm not it's elite not, at running." It's not quick for me, yeah. It's just because I'm not, yeah. But, but this is, I'm a good all rounder. But, see, and but yeah. see the gulf you've created there by yeah. just yeah. training as an all rounder. Elite yeah. is literally top one percent, isn't it? Smallest amount. So the, to the, be the, the elite is what they do. Are we ever going to achieve that? Absolutely not. not we don't get paid to do that. We're not saying go out and just focus on running. We're building, we're building a package. But as you can see, the gulf that you create by Training all round is absolutely yeah. massive. Training across a full spectrum and including everything within a proper program is is going to give. And we're yeah, doing that by ma- maintaining size and strength as well. It's not like we're yeah. skinny kids who are yeah. running quick. We're fast, strong, fit. Yeah. So and it's a nice. It's just you just feel better, don't you? It's a nice all round all yeah. round feeling. That's it. We're not we're not getting rid of our strength We're not getting rid of our body bodybuilding. Yeah. You got me saying that. We're not getting rid of our strength training. We're not getting rid of our muscle mass. 
to, to, to allow us to run what we're doing is we're, we're, we're adding to it and then we're going to improve our running anyway so we're going to overcome the common stereotypes of if you're weight training you can't be going doing running if you're running you can't be doing weight training like i know i was there when i was younger i i was weight training i was like no i'm not running because i'll lose my size yeah. but it's not not i mean you probably will true. a tiny bit yeah You'll lose Swings a little and roundabouts, but what you lose, you gain twofold yeah. in, in actual fitness and health. Exactly. Yeah. And I'm not just saying this to show off, but um, like I've only done two races, and well, how many like actual running clubs did we beat? We beat quite a few individuals that are in running, and all they do is run. Yeah. But we're still able to beat them and compete with them. Yeah. So it's, it's because like, you're an all rounder, and the the scope this gives you moving forward later on into life as well in terms of like if you're good at a lot of different things and you're robust and you move well, yeah. and you are strong, like moving on later on into the into your life, the 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 benefit it's gonna give you in terms of like being able to get out of bed, being able to play with your kids. If you still want to be running when you're forty and fifty, which I definitely do. Yeah. I want to have that availability to wake up and go, I fancy a run there today. 40 and 50, I'm looking 60, 70. Yeah, and, and, and beyond. Yeah, like yeah. This is the type of training you want to implement Definitely. now because it's great getting shredded in 20 days. Yeah. Well, it's not. <laughs> but like it yeah. might look good and impressive, but like there's no, repeat- yourself, yeah, there's no repeatability to it. So it's yeah. like um, this style of training you can implement forever and you're going to be you're gonna keep levelling up in all aspects to make sure that, like for me, um, since having kids, like my mindset has shifted towards like right when I'm older, I don't want to be looking like kids. Don't yeah, I don't want to be looking like one of them old dads who can't move and can't play with the kids and is is overweight and it terrifies like, me. That yeah, it scares the life out of me. And it's because I help a lot of people who are like that in terms of like they might be mid fifties to sixties and they're coming in in agony and they're just like I can't move anymore. I can't train. It scares the life out of me. So I'm like exactly from that perspective, same. I'm terrified to be average. Yeah. Or to be like everyone else. Yeah. Because people always say to me, why do you so much? Everyone ends up in a box. That's what everyone says, don't they? Yeah. I'm like, yeah, that's true. But. It's how you get there. The last, realistically, the last 20, the average year spent in ill health in the UK is 20 years. Yeah. So you're probably going to spend 20 years of your life miserable and in ill health. Yeah, yeah. Can't enjoy your holidays, can't enjoy your day to day life. I might only spend yeah. three or five because of all the work I've done. Yeah. I it. might not spend any. There's no getting away from the fact that your body ages. Yet everyone's body will age. Everyone will die. That's there's no getting away from that. But it's how you get proven them. to slow that down as well. well. That's it. It's slow that down. It's not so much. You might not prolong your life, but you'll prolong. Will. <laughs> well, you you will. But not say like you, it, say no. you don't prolong your life, but if that those last twenty years are a lot better. Yeah, enjoy that it's quality of life, it's isn't it? Quality the end of, the of life. Yeah. And when so, it comes to like being a dad or a mum or. Yeah. parents whatever every year counts that's it and, well, and just having even that if you're not having kids why, even why if wouldn't you, you want to um, play 40 with you, with you some, yeah. with Leo when he grows up you want to be able to, to play 40 with him yeah. when, like you, like your half does with you you want to go might want to go with a run with Leo yeah, yeah. Um, know yeah. what I mean so yeah. but that's it even if you don't have kids it doesn't matter yeah, like, exactly. yeah it's not you just like kids specific them. it's just yeah like you just yeah. like basically you want to wake up that's in the morning why, isn't yeah. It? yeah and like if you want to do something you want to have the availability to do it why would you wake up and go Oh, what a fancy going up a mountain here today, but I can't because my low back's fucked every time I walk out of our garden path. Like, I couldn't think of anything worse personally. So, like, yeah, the actions you take now and the decisions you make now pay dividends. Pay dividends. So, like, when you're training properly, eating well, eating socially as well, in terms of including food, you why deny all this thing, all this stuff you're enjoying now? Living amongst it and try and level up all together. Live your life rather than it's like just, when we retire yeah, eventually, eventually and like you retire, you. you when you retire, you want to be able to enjoy your retirement, don't yeah. you? Retire. 
So yeah, but when you get you know when you get to like sixty-five, <laughs> seventy, and like no, I know what you mean. No. You want to be able to like yeah. I'm going on holiday and I'm still fit and capable enough to walk up a mountain. Yeah, I want to be that one person. You know when you're walking up a mountain or you're doing something, say like you're going skiing or something, and you and you see you see the free the outlier that's yeah. just literally like flying down the mountain on yeah. the skis and it's he's inspiring. 70, 80, 90 years of age. It's properly inspiring. I want to be that person. I yeah. want people yeah. my age now to look at me and go, oh my god, look at him. Yeah. But it's, it's it's stupid because as he's saying, like when you retire, that's the time you should be going out doing all them things. And the way like people have designed life is that like you just work, yeah. retire, and then it's like oh you fucked and you sit on the couch for twenty then years. When, when your body stops, yeah. So it's it, well, it well when backwards. you stop, your body stops basically. Yeah. I'm the same. I want to be that outlier where like I could be running and people are going look at the age of him there, look how good he looks. But I want to be that guy because like well, I yeah, still enjoy yeah. it. I, I love I love that type of stuff that yeah. much that I want to do it forever well, we go we, we run around Sefton Park on a Sunday yeah. there's there's one person that you can guarantee you'll see every yeah. single Sunday running around Sefton Park yeah. what a champ the old fella and the old fella and he and just he yeah. just grinds out his Heroic. time yeah, yeah. he's enjoying Heroic. himself yeah, yeah. he's always letting on yeah. it, it's that's it that, yeah. that's life That yeah. he's enjoying his life he gets out every single Sunday he might, go, he might go every day I don't know yeah. but he, he's definitely there every Sunday yeah. and he's just Going for a little run in the park. Yeah. That's brilliant. Yeah. Imagine doing that at his age. That's it. I like, don't know how old he is, but he's definitely on the older he's side. He's an elderly fella, like yeah, he's, yeah. he's an elderly fella, but he's he's, he's running. He's got the availability. Yeah. He's got the availability to do it because yeah. he enjoys it and that's what what you also see around Sefton Park is like our fellas with their daughters and their sons going for them. I think that's really good as well. Yeah, yeah. You know, getting the kids in like that's what I want to do. Like obviously I've got a daughter on the way. I I'd love nothing more than when she grows up she's a bit older I can take her to Sefton Park yeah, and go yeah. for a run with her yeah, yeah. I'd love that just anything that she enjoys and you enjoy at the time like, and have the availability to do it that's, um, and the capability to do it which, yeah, well, which is it. what we're talking about yeah. So, so yeah basically everybody um, get on the app now get on the app buy the hybrid <laughs> programme and we'll, uh, we'll help you level up <laughs> we'll add years to your life now we're not we're not, we're not, yeah, we're not, we're not claiming that by the way we're just saying that's, that's our ethos behind ultimately what we want to do we want to feel good we all want to get better we all want to level people. up help people in the process which I'm obviously massively lucky and the boys are massively lucky to be able to do do something um, you enjoy and then yeah have the availability to do what you want to do long term rather than well we're trying to do it for ourselves it. yeah that's so it. we're never going to sell something to somebody else that we don't want to do ourselves yeah so everything 100%. that we do and it makes yeah. us happy so we know like it's going to make yeah. other people happy yeah. and the thing is is we all enjoy ourselves as well we're not yeah. doing it and then going right we're living a boring life but we're going to live it long yeah. No, and I had cheese on social media last night. I eat almond croissants. We don't pr- promote cheese on toast. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm proper normal. Give you nightmares, cheese, you know. <laughs> yeah. Eat food yeah. you enjoy. Train hard. Train with structure. Love life. Don't put up in agony. And have a, have a long one. Yeah. yeah. So, on right, quality one. Race day, Sunday. This Sunday. How are you feeling? Obviously, I'm not there, but how are you feeling? I'm feeling fit, to be fair. I'm, I'm pretty confident. I'm definitely my last race last November was one four six. My very first half, so I was quite pleased with that. But I'm hundred percent certain I'm going to run it faster than one four six. Where I don't know. I'm I'm aiming for a one forty. I don't know if that's speculative. So I'm not six minutes off. But I'm going to go for it. But I, I do feel super fit. That's where yeah. you you feel like you that's that's your goal. 
if you get that, you'll be absolutely made up, won't you? But, but if realistically, you, anything under one four six is an improvement. Yeah. yeah. So you you'll know. be you'll be happy either way as long as it's under well, one four six. Because no one like Yeah, yeah you're, you're always miserable. Yeah. <laughs> no, well, the, the, like as he's just said, anything like you're competing against yourself, aren't you? But like yes. it's good to have somebody like who's similar, like so, like me and Nathan are pretty similar, like we're pretty good all round, as I'd say. Yeah. Um. He's sparing me on. I'm sparing him on. If he beats me on the day, I'll be made up for him, and then I'll be like, "I'm gonna get you on the next one because be, that's what you want." You you'll want be buying the alpha flies. Yeah, yeah I'm buying the alpha flies. <laughs> you should not buy them last night. <laughs> yeah, I know, and you want you want you want people who are gonna help you level up. So, like, to be honest, my prep for this half hasn't hasn't been anything near like what I would like it to. But I know I've got that like general like scope that base to, fitness, haven't you? Yeah, I've got the scope to be able to turn up and do it and do it pretty well. So, like. I'm looking forward to it. I can't wait. Like it's, I think it's. I've, I've done loads of half marathons in the past, but like actual event-based ones where you get your chip and all that was the, the same as Nathan. The the first one was November last year. I I, I can't remember the. I done one forty-five something. I can't remember the exact time. It was one forty-five. Thirty seconds. Yeah, yeah. something seconds. So I was trying pretty, to chase him the whole time. And <laughs> yeah, just seeing him in the head. Just like that. I just got to stare yeah. at Chris. No, but what I would like for Nathan on Sunday genuinely is that like he can turn the gas on and I could maybe try and keep up with him because like I'm I'm probably gonna aim for about one forty on the day and I know I can turn up and do that. Yeah. So for me, anything under one forty, it'd be it'd be massive yeah. because I'm not an elite level runner and I just. But you're, I just, you're looking at like if, if you're running in the one thirties, like you're. A, Pretty good running, like you know. Yeah, I mean? yeah, that's it. Oh, so yeah, like, I'd, I'd like to, to be do fair. That, if you're like... under two hours, you're a good runner. Yeah, yeah. If you're under, if if as you said, like the average pace is two and a half hours. Yeah. If you're under two hours, you're a good runner. Yeah. But then obviously it's all about as as uh, Chris said before, you're only racing against yourself. So the thing is, is people always go for the first half marathon and go right. Okay, what what time should I be aiming for? Yeah, just complete Absolutely it. Absolutely yeah. no time whatsoever. Yeah, just get it done. Just complete get it. Done, it. Yeah. Get comfortable. Find your find your baseline, yeah. and then say if that is two and a half hours, then you go next one. I'm gonna do it in two twenty five, yeah. two twenty. And it's easy for the um, like we're trying to knock off quite a lot of time of our of ours, like five six minutes. Yeah, but we're relatively new to running, so it's easier to make them yeah, big gains when you get to a point where you're like touching like your like maximal fitness that's yeah. when it like the seconds and seconds become oh, yeah. important then of course yeah whereas we're still relatively new into this journey so yeah. like well it's your second one isn't it it's your so second knocking part. minutes off is is, do, is doable yeah so you've got to be quite realistic with your your, your goals and uh, yeah. what you're trying to achieve because yeah. not everyone someone who's been running years races for, yeah. have been running for years they're not going to knock five minutes off they'll no. be lucky if they knock 30 seconds off yeah no matter how hard you're training and that's, because, yeah, that's just how it is. Because yeah. yeah. the fifth, like people say, oh, it's all right for you. You're fit. You train all the time. Yeah, but it's not. It's yeah. hard. Do you, think, harder. do you think I want to go running five times a week? Yeah, maybe one of them a week. Yeah, I want to go for. I don't <laughs> want. I don't like. I'm, I, when I'm doing it, I'm sound. Yeah, but, yeah. yeah. It's actually getting out the doors hard. Sometimes yeah. you sit there and look at your shoes. And you're like, I can't be asked. Yeah, but I've just got to do it. And that's why I post all my runs on Instagram. It's not to brag. It's to, like I have this thing in my head where I think. Um, if I don't post that today, someone's gonna to be gonna look at my stories and think, "Oh, he's not trained today." It's like it's like a weird thing. <laughs> I have to hold yourself today. accountable. Yeah, yeah. So to get you off the couch, get you out of the door in your trainers, you're going right. Okay, I've got to run because I'm gonna post it. Yeah. Because otherwise I have to, people think I'm not training. Yeah, you're holding I'm, yourself accountable. It's yeah. like almost the you're yeah. putting it out there. But <laughs> and then I look at other people running like. When I'm driving around, I'm like, oh, I need to go for a run. Me, he's like, you can't outrun me on the day. Don't even know the fella yeah. or the woman. I'm just like, oh. don't even know whether he's doing the marathon. He's running fast. Him, he must be fit. Him, he can't be fitter than me. But again, with timings, you've got to be careful with obviously different events or different um, elevations. 
and stuff like that in different terrains you can't always go like right okay i don't know one say a two hour half marathon and go to the next one and go i need to get better i need Do to go one, one and a half <laughs> but if if that first one was a flat course and then you go and the elevations are massive on the next one, so you go and do a half marathon trial trial run, you're not going to beat your time. That's it's it. A, it's a still a half. Got to be realistic. You have to be realistic and you have to give yourself the credit where it's due. If you do an easy ma- half marathon and then do a hard one and you get not far off your time but a little bit, you go hang on a minute. I've done really well there because of the elevations. Yeah. So you've got to. It's not just half marathon. Half marathons have elevations. They have different terrains. There's a lot more to it than just. Yeah. I need 100%. to be in the half marathon time. Yeah. Get on yardstick in it. Like for, as we're saying there, for me on the day, like I'd target one forty. Anything under one forty five for me is a win. Yeah. You can target one forty, guaranteed to come under. Yeah, you're gonna come under one forty five. But like again, the first one that we done was we didn't yeah, really know did we? We just location. went on yeah, field. Just, didn't we? It was just, a different location. The terrain was a park. Yeah, it wasn't it. It wasn't. It was, it's almost traily, it, it was, though, it was a little yeah. bit traily, and it was a little bit up and down, and yeah. a little bit muddy in sections. Yeah. So now this one is a road race. Yeah. So in theory, it should be easier. Should but be a little big, bit bigger easier. inclines yeah. on this. So it's yeah, it's all relative. But and you're running faster, so it just doesn't feel nice anyway. Yeah, I think where we're going with it is you're just trying to level up and always compete against yourself. But if you've got other people who are around similar levels and they can nudge you up and give you a little bit of extra percentage. Yeah. So for me, it's that and vice versa. I think that it's good to have a bit of healthy competition because it keeps you keeps you honest and it keeps you accountable. And if you if you and he's definitely I definitely haven't run as much as him. So (laughs) if he he doesn't beat me, we're gonna have a few serious questions. (laughs) But it's it's because his VO two max isn't as high as mine. Apparently not. It's a a touchy subject. But but he has got the alpha flies. He has, yeah. I might turn up with them on and just see what happens. I'll just go in the hurt locker me and stay there. Yeah, yeah to, be had, fair, um, to be fair, the last half I was in the hurt locker, by the way, and what, what I'm looking for for like an adaptation standpoint on this one, can't remember how long I spent in the red. Yeah, I spent red. the whole thing in the red. Yeah, like the last half marathon I was in the hurt locker, I was in the red pushing that piece. But like I've got quite a high ceiling where I can seem to stay in the red and my breathing's not too difficult. What I want this time, or what would be nice, is to kind of run quicker, but maybe be in that threshold, which would show that my zone two work is... Yeah, it's having a knock-on effect. Is, yeah, so like I'd like it to cost less tax, but be able to run quicker, and then if that's the case on Sunday, and I finish, and I look, and it feels better, feels easier, yeah. uh, that's where we know like that the programme stuff is actually having that yeah. crossover, which is exactly what we're after. We're trying to get that specific adaptation and get better. Yeah, and enjoy ourselves doing it. it as you said it's not always time there's more variables yeah, that's it, so yeah. if your time's exactly the same but you feel comfortable after it and yeah. you're like that happy, was quite yeah, easy happy, happy with that. you go do yeah. you know what take that win yeah. that's a win that's a yeah. massive win because just, just doing it's a win completely yeah. Yeah. oh of course yeah and it, as as you're saying they're just doing it's a win we've all started like everyone's had to start from somewhere so if you are just going and starting your first 5k, 10k, and that don't worry about it, don't worry about going, right, okay, I can't do a 5k in half an hour. Yeah. So what? You don't, need to like start you don't compare yourself to someone else, do you? It's no. relative. Everyone started somewhere, and we've all been where you've been. We had right. a, a saying in the army, that train hard, fight easy. Yeah. Um, I apply the same thing to me training, like I was saying to you last night. So like I've looked at me, my average pace needs to be 4.44, 4.45 for a 140 half marathon. So I, every time I do an interval... I'm doing it 20, 30 seconds faster. Yeah. So four forty. So I can become easy. comfortable at, yeah. at my t- at my average race pace. Yeah. So like like you were saying to you last night, me and Dicko went for a run last um, last Saturday, and I was we was having a conversation at four fifty pace, which I've never been able to yeah. do, and that's because 
I'm doing that hard work. When it comes to doing that hard work, I can achieve them intensities because I'm only doing them once a week and I've earned the right to do that because I'm building my base. Yeah. With but, less energy cost. Exactly. And it feels so, easier. Yeah. So I'm so hoping. That, you know can, you're going to come in under on the, the, on the day. Yeah. Proper nutrition, proper hydration. You get that adrenaline, that buzz on, on, the, on race day. And um, I'm just going to try and lock in and just. There's a marker on this one, isn't there? There's a 140 marker. Oh, I'm not sure. So, yeah, so uh, they've said on the on the email we got uh, to, depending on where you you think you're going to finish, to start near your marker. Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to start by the 140 marker. I'm just going to try and stay with him yeah. for as long as possible. Once I get to about 10 miles, if I'm still with him, I'm just going to, yeah. and I, can, I feel like I can, I'm going to put my foot down and try and, yeah. try and, beat, try and beat him, basically. Yeah. It's a good way of doing it. Good way of managing your time. Could get in your head on the day, that as well. Could, yeah. 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 Tough one, yeah. So far, oh, yeah. very interesting. So, I didn't, I didn't realise yeah, there was a marker. Yeah. So that, that one thing, there's nice. a one thirty marker and a one forty marker. I think there's a two hour marker as well. Yeah. What you could do is start with the one thirty marker and say to yourself, I don't want to see the one forty marker for the rest. Of, you're not trying to go past the one thirty. You're gonna stay behind them, so but you don't want to see the one forty man. Yeah, that might be a way to do it. Piece. That's soft though. Uh, Nothing. Yeah. 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 I think the average pace for a one for a one thirty is like four thirty, which I can run at. Yeah, yeah. it's taxing. But I'd probably only be able to stay there for five k. I think. Yeah. And would you or would you not? I'm going to burn myself out over the course of the race. Yeah, you don't want to start there. I'm going like, to start off at negative splits, so I'm going to try and I'm gonna aim for about a 450 pace for the first <clears throat> 5 or 6k, maybe 10k, just so I can get and up Upper Parley, because Upper Parley is going to be quite difficult. Yeah, yeah. And then from there, I'm going to try and kick on and then ho- hopefully come in around about 140 or yeah. if everything goes to plan, Any I'll problem. take a 139.59. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. yeah, some nice bits there. So, um, so I yeah. think what we'll do for the next one We'll do it obviously after the half marathon. We'll have a little bit of a review on it, see see how you feel and stuff like that. See the recovery side of it a little bit more. Like right, okay, what did you do afterwards? What did you, how did you address? And the the nutrition, like we can touch nutrition, on nutrition yeah. what we before and stuff. It's quite um, interesting. And then we'll get Matty in for the VO two max, and we'll go through the full PDF that he sends us over. And how unfit I am, and we'll basically <laughs> get his and Nathan score expert. <laughs> Uh, opinion on everything and he'll describe everything that yeah shows on the uh, form it's a nice set point definitely yeah yeah so yeah let's round it up there yeah good, good episode um tune in to see when i beat nathan with the alpha flies on on sunday <laughs> that's fucking heavy <laughs> yeah thanks for watching take it easy cheers nice one